This audio program may contain descriptions of violence and topics that may not be suitable for everyone. Please listen with caution. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. I didn't record any of that because oh, I was really? like, yeah, I was like, who cares? <laughs> but <laughs> I thought you recorded it. No, I was like, uh, no one needs to know uh, about my jewelry dilemmas. <laughs> she's got so many jewelry so dilemmas. All the jewelry dilemmas. I don't have any because <laughs> no one gives me jewelry, Jacob. Not yet. Yeah. Wink. Wink. <laughs> wink. 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 I would love to see what his taste in jewelry is. I <laughs> think he is gonna do okay. I yeah. have a Pinterest page. It's okay. Did but you send him the link? No, but I will if <laughs> when we get to that, that moment. Point, yeah. But I know what I'm going to get him as a ring. Like, I might mm-hmm. propose to him. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm much at more demanding. <laughs> at the gym, I'll have them spell yes. it out and sweat. And, and <laughs> the dumbbell, the uh, dumbbells have the words on it. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah. I did. He told me how he proposed to his first wife. Oh, also, yeah. I'm just saying, I love that I'm going to be the second wife because yeah. they're only so much prettier. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, the whole time I was like, I don't want him to propose to me. How that was it? Tell me. It was just like in front of a bunch of people at mm-hmm. a New Year's Eve party. Oh, okay. So that's so, like one of the standard ways. Okay, so of, let's get this right. Know. Everyone's drunk <laughs> and you're celebrating another holiday, but... I want my engagement to, to be, be about special. me with no one else there because I don't like people. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I yeah. want some thought put in, not just like, let's pick a date. Mm-hmm. It was like a surprise party. Oh, it was a surprise party too because it was her birthday. So now it's her New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve yeah. too. Oh my God. So now God. it's New Year's Eve, her birthday, and the day you got engaged. Might as well just roll it in. Hell no. <laughs> I need different days. Yeah. Different day. special You days. need to celebrate me multiple times a yeah. year. See, like, because when Mike proposed, there was a bunch of big things going on that right. week but it wasn't, but it wasn't that, that one yeah. yes and it was like at the opera so it wasn't mm-hmm. like there were people there but they weren't your people so no. it wasn't like now you're being bombarded like you couldn't celebrate that moment yeah. yourself it's like i want to celebrate us that moment and then tell my friends yeah like, i don't want exactly and it was planned and all that yeah and it's not like this big elaborate proposal but you know it's a story because he right. put all this thought into it he actually we all knew he was proposing we all knew because because I repeatedly told him to. <laughs> yeah. Over. Yeah. And over. over. And hinted at it. But um, that's how I'm going to be. Yeah. going to be like, you know. Your, I'm just going to put pictures of rings I like on the fridge. So every time he every needs time like he a drink it. or food. Every, it's just on one of his ring, items. Ring, yeah. Ring, ring. Yeah. Yeah. But like Mike, he wore his dad's tie. Yeah. And even though it's ugly. Um, well, all of Mike's clothes are ugly. <laughs> all Sorry, of the Mike. ties. But it's also funny because anything he has of his dad's which are mostly his ties him and his dad are just such different physiques yeah so it just looks weird you Uh know but he wore his dad's tie and before he proposed to me because he proposed to me we didn't have a ring yet yeah he proposed to me with a rock in a box Uh like a green gemstone rock because he knows that one of my favorite movies from my childhood is The Pebble and the Penguin. Uh-huh. And he watched it before he proposed. Aww, I didn't know that. And That's it's a cute. green rock in it. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes. So there was the, all that. And I then... thought it was just empty. 
No, it was he had a rock in it. We still have the rock, I think, in the safe. But um, you should get that made into something too, because that should. would be a cute thing to like give your kids. That you know? would it's like, be a really cute thing. It's like a big green, like a tumbled right crystal. Yeah, so make it into a necklace or something. Yeah, we still have it. So, right. but a nose ring. Yes, <laughs> where we a will lip, pass down a the nose ring. ring. <laughs> Listen, this is a um. A genital piercing ring. <laughs> this goes right in the penis. Yes. We'll show you know what? Mike, come in here. Let's show yeah, him. Yeah, let's let's show him how it goes so he knows. <laughs> Son, take your pants off. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be our heirloom. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has to get that piercing when they turn 18. <laughs> It'll be great. Yeah. Well And then someone will inevitably sell it for drugs. Right. <laughs> Carry on these traditions. They're important to the fabric of our family. Uh. So <laughs> Um, well, this is opening talk is apt because we're talking about, oh no, it's not. Wedding rings. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's well, like, what are you talking Listen, because I'm editing last week's right. episode today. So I'm like, oh, we're doing spouses who kill. Yep. And it's like, no, actually we're not. Mm-mm. It's a little bit apt for my story, but we're actually talking about Hollywood, Hollywood murders. murders. <laughs> yes. Now um, cue the Hollywood Reporting intro. What's that music? <laughs> you have no idea. Are the Hollywood Squares? I don't know it, but yeah, you know. Well, and have you listened to? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I don't. I don't listen to podcasts. I just I binge listen to to live and die in L.A. Oh, have you heard of that? Yeah, but I, I have heard of it, but it's, I haven't listened to it. It is intriguing. Yeah. There's like one episode where it takes just a huge turn. And I was in Gabe's shopping when mm-hmm. I was listening to that episode, and I like stopped What's and was it, like, "Is it <gasps> is it a, a like an anthology series, or is it like no?" All so about it's w- kind of like a real time investigative about what. So there's this young woman, I think she's our age, named Adea Shivani. Okay, and she's from Macedonia. Okay, and she but she's living in L.A. because she wants to be an actress. Okay, and uh, she's this really beautiful young woman, and basically she. Started dating this guy that was in her acting class mm-hmm. named Chris. Don't trust him. No, but Chris has a fiance and then he proposes to her. So he's two fiances oh. and then she goes missing. <gasps> so <laughs> that's pretty much the the kickoff of what happens. And then the whole time this reporter, the host of it, who he just, he writes for Rolling Stone, but mm-hmm. all, all he really writes are like, celebrity pieces so he like hangs out with a celebrity and then writes about it right that's his thing but he met this private investigator when the private investigator was investigating a disappearance in his neighborhood in malibu Mm -hmm. and so the investigator calls him and is like hey i'm working on this case do you want to help me with it (gasps) so then they start that's cool going into it yeah What's the other one um, about the Black Dahlia? Yes. Hollywood um, and Crime. Root of Evil. No. No. Hollywood and Crime. Yes. Hollywood and Crime does a Black Dahlia. <laughs> but the Root of Evil. But yes, also the That root one's of evil, good because but... it's the suspect's ancestors yeah. to women who do it. Because with yeah. that, it's like, it's crazy because a lot of people know the beginning of the Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. right? They know a woman was found, her face was slashed open, she yeah, was cut she in was... half, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But then it's like, there was a slashy-faced killer yeah and how were these not connected Connected. and also like some people think it was the torso killer Mm -hmm. in chicago like there's so many things that people are like no it's this person no it's this person it it goes in so many different directions it's a crazy case i wanted to do it for hollywood murders but it's so much 
that like maybe it's so we'll much do and it. It's just so widely done. Yeah, maybe we can do it as like a side story. Like it'll be like an extra yeah. side. Yeah, like, we for have our, to record yeah. our other stories because too, it's our... kind of long. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. people have done it, but it, it's such an interesting case that yeah. I could listen to seventy five podcasts about on it because yeah. everyone has their own opinions on it mm-hmm. too. So yeah, well, so maybe we'll do it as a yeah, that would be good as an extra. Yeah, maybe I'll yeah. research it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So I believe you go first this time. <gasps> okay. And I don't think I've actually ever heard of your murder. Ronnie Chasen? Wow. Okay. I yeah. think I think of this as a murder everyone's listening really? to. Really? Well, it's it was like the one I picked too. I had never heard of before I listened to a podcast about it recently. So these these are all new yeah, concepts. I do want to wanna say mm-hmm. this was a my favorite murder episode. Oh, okay. However, I knew it before <laughs> they did it. Okay. So Okay. I kind of have an inside scoop. Not really, but okay. a little bit. So basically, my cousin used to live in California, mm-hmm. and they lived a mile from where her house was. Oh. And there was like a bunch of flowers when this happened and everything, because mm-hmm. we were still in high school. So this was right around the time. And they didn't know what it was. And then one day she was telling me like, yeah, my neighbor got killed. And I was like, that's crazy. And then we just never talked about it yeah. again. And then she told me who it was like a year later. And then I, I researched it. Oh, okay. okay. Cause it's pretty recent. Kind of. So wait, um, it's pretty what? I said pretty recent. Okay. Kind I thought of. you said racist for a second. It is pretty like, racist as well. Oh really? Yep, okay. It's a little bit of both. A little bit of A, a uh, little bit of B. Okay. So, Ronnie Chasen. Chasen was born Veronica Cohen to a Jewish family mm-hmm. in Kingston, New York in 1946. She was raised in the Bronx and in Washington Heights section of Manhattan. She had won a series of Duncan Toys Company yo-yo contests what? held in Morningside Heights as a child, which, I mean, that was just a fun so little So a yo-yoing fact. contest? Yeah. yeah. She just won some yo-yoing okay. contests. Okay. She later changed her last name to match the elite restaurant Chasen's. So she's like, I'm going to change my last name to that so people think I'm a Chasen. Really? Yeah. That's a strange move, but okay. Because she moves to Hollywood to become an actress, and then she later becomes a publicist. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like, if I, you know, people won't really know if I'm them or not, but it, it seems like I have an in in this Hollywood crowd. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't do like Ronnie, first of her name. Queen of yo-yos. <laughs> Breaker of strings. Breaker of strings. <laughs> so she was known in Hollywood for her PR work on such mm-hmm. films as On Golden Pawn and the second film in the Oliver Stone Michael Douglas Wall Street film franchise, Wall Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like Toy Story. They wake up and run yeah, around and do things exactly. when you're asleep. She was right. <laughs> So, Chasen successfully directed the Oscar campaign for the 1989 film Driving Miss Daisy, which won an Academy Award for Best Picture the following year. Mm -hmm. Lily Zanuck, um, one of the people who created that movie, later said that Driving Miss Daisy campaign was all Ronnie, and so she thanked her twice in the the award ceremony. So, in addition to being named the Senior Vice President of Publicity at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer in 1993... She owned her own PR firm, 
Chasen and Co. So she focused on artists who composed film music like cool. Trevor Horn, Mark Isom, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer's a big one. Yep. And brothers David and Thomas Newman. But not Randy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Los Angeles Times film critic Patrick Goldstein, Chasen reminisced about her early years working with George Burns on the hit 1970 film The Sunshine Boys hmm. and coaching budding star John Travolta on how to handle his first interview after his fame first broke during Welcome Back, Crotter. Cotter. Sorry, no R. <laughs> so at the time of her murder, Chasen was working with Richard D. Zanuck and Lily Zanuck for Oscar campaign of the 2010 film Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. She was called Hollywood's ultimate old school publicist and someone who I personally admire because she was known as, she was very well loved, but she Mm -hmm. was also known as a bitch (laughs) who didn't care what people thought. She was brassy and pushy and wouldn't take no for an answer. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people were like, half the times when she placed somebody, it was just because she wouldn't give up. She'd Mm -hmm. be like, no, take them, take them. And so people would be like, fine. (laughs) She also did what she didn't care about, like, people judging her. For example, Mm -hmm. she would take home doggy bags when she had big time meetings, which (laughs) is like a big no-no. Yeah. But she took them home for her mother so that her mother could enjoy the same meal she was having. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So on November 16th, 2010, at approximately 1225 a.m., she was driving home from the Hollywood premiere of the film Burlesque, who she had like three or four clients in but one of them was the woman who wrote the music for the film oh, cool she was cruising down sunset when she hit a red light but instead of making a left on red which a lot of papers were like in that street in that area of town you can it's, ve- it's very common to make a left on red because no one's there on sunset like all through sunset <laughs> so all it's through just Beverly Hills, to run this one yeah, red light well yeah. all of them because uh-huh. Because it's Beverly Hills, so after 6 o'clock, like, nothing's open. Oh, okay. So a lot of times, big Hollywood stars and stuff would just run that red light because there's no one there. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She waits at the red. And right when it turns green, she makes a left on the Whittier Drive. Or she's about to make a left on the Whittier Drive. Okay. So the light changes. She starts her car. But right before she can make the turn, someone approaches the passenger side of her car and shoots four times <gasps> at Ronnie. After being hit multiple times, she guides her car down Whittier Drive, where she runs the curb and collides with a utility pole. Mm. A couple found the car a few minutes later and called the police, but the police were already en route because gunshots in Beverly Hill. Crime is not a thing in Beverly Hill. Mm -mm. From 2007 to 2017, which is 10 years, there were only nine total murders. Oh, wow. Most of which were spousal ones. Mm -hmm. Another one is the unsolved murder. Of Scott Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo's brother. <gasps> really? Yeah, which I want to do. So emergency responders transport Chasen to Cedar Sinai's emergency facility, but she's pronounced dead at 1.12 in the morning. Oh. Three weeks after the shooting, the cops hold a press conference where they say they've caught the suspect. The suspect is ex-con Harold Smith, who's been arrested twice for burglary. One time, he stole a woman's purse, and when she fought back, he broke her jaw. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Yep. So the way they catch him is, so Harold lives in this complex in, like, kind of a rough neighborhood Mm. down on Santa Monica Boulevard, kind of by, like, Paramount. Yeah. So his neighbor says that an hour and a half after the shooting, Harold showed up at his door asking if anything had been on the news recently. Mm. When he replied that he hadn't seen anything, 
Harold claims that he needs to go back to Beverly Hills to grab his bike that's there. Mm -hmm. The neighbor says that after he saw that Ronnie Chasen had died, he put two and two together, that she had been shot and killed. Mm -hmm. He puts two and two together. However, there's some issues with his story. How did he get home? (laughs) So you can't take a taxi. It's not like you could just take a taxi. It's Beverly Hills at 1230. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I Google mapped all of this. Ooh. It it took a lot. Okay. (laughs) So it takes almost an hour to drive in a car from where the shooting happened to this apartment complex. Mm -hmm. To take a bus, it takes three hours because you have to change two buses. Mm -hmm. And to walk, it's an eight-hour walk. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And he didn't have a car. He just had a bike. Mm -hmm. So he shoots someone. Leaves his bike at the scene of the crime and then what? He walks home? Unless he Unless, has someone driving right. him. Yeah. He walks home in an hour. But why are you driving there on a bike yeah, and, and then, then leaving your bike at the scene of a yeah, crime? That like, doesn't what? make sense. Yeah. And if you took the bus, wouldn't someone see you on the bus? Yeah. Like, wouldn't mm-hmm. someone be able to be like, yeah, I saw that guy if on this bus. If the bus is even running then. Right. It's, yeah. yeah. It's 1230 in Beverly mm-hmm. Hills. And also, how did you get home so quickly? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait. There wasn't like Uber and stuff no. back then, no. And if there was, they someone would be able, able to, to be like, yeah, yeah, I picked someone up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a crime scene. Yeah. Also, Harold was black. Mm. Um, and one retired detective at one point says, okay, so this black guy's biking around Beverly Hills in the middle of the night and no one reports it. Like, yeah. he would have been stopped five times. Like, they're too racist. They're it too racist. Happen. It's yeah. bright white Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to be able to, because there were people who came out of their homes and stuff who were awake and were eyewitnesses, from, yeah. like, I, quote unquote eyewitnesses. They didn't really see anything, but. They were still awake because a few people were, like, having parties and stuff like yeah. that. It's not like no one would have seen this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Another issue is that the roommate said, or the neighbor said that he he sees that Ronnie Chasing had been shot to death that night. Mm-hmm. And that's when he puts it together. But Ronnie Chasing's name and death wasn't released until the next day. Oh, so he, okay. there's no way he saw yeah. it that night. Mm-hmm. However, on December 1st at 5.30 p.m., the police go to question Harold. Mm-hmm. They find him in the lobby of his apartment. They know he's going to be there mm-hmm. because he had been evicted a week earlier, but he still had stuff there. So he was coming to get by yeah. to get some stuff. When they identify themselves, when they say, like, police freeze, uh, Harold takes a 38 out of his pocket and shoots himself no. in the head. Oh. So the neighbor who calls in the tip had some boxes, like I said, mm-hmm. and he hands them over. And in the boxes, the cops find four spent shells that match the bullets in Chasen's murder. Which is like another thing. Okay, you're taking a bus or whatever. You're, you're walking home. Those shells. And you're not going to yeah. just chuck those bullets away or mm-hmm. put them in someone's trash. Like yeah. you're going to keep them. Sorry, what? Uh. They test them. They say that... The ballistics report says it's a match. And they announced that Harold was most likely their man and that he acted alone. Mm -hmm. So they closed this case, like they announced this, without having looked into Chasen's bank records, her cell phone records, any personal documents, her computer, nothing. They didn't do any of that. The following March, they eventually checked those records. And that July, they conclude that Harold was the sole perpetrator in the case, and the case is officially closed. Mm. At the point in her life when she died, Ronnie's estate was worth $6.1 million. At the time of her death, she was single with no children, and her recent 2006 will had been lost. So they went off her 96 will, Mm. 
which left all of her money to one of her nieces, leaving the other one with only $10. And she says in the will, like, I knowing, like, I am fully aware of the implications, leave <sighs> her $10. Yeah. Do we think she changed it in the recent? A lot of more, people do yeah. think. because. And how does it get lost? Right. Because she never filed it with, like, because you don't have to file a will with anyone. Yeah. Like, you can just write it down. So I think she probably typed it up on her computer or whatever. Yeah. And it... But in theory, if you were that niece. You would be like, be like contesting it. Well, yeah. well, if you were the niece who got all the money, right? And then mm-hmm. her 06 niece says, or her 06 will says, like, split it between them. Yeah. You could log on to that computer, mm-hmm. delete that file, delete it completely, yeah. you know, or th- burn the copy seems or like whatever. motive. Right. <laughs> it seems like a big motive. Yeah. Because we don't know, there's not a lot of info on her nieces, but mm-hmm. her niece, you know, in 1996 could have been a dick and then she changed and yeah. so she, or, you know, yeah. something could have happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or she was a drug addict or yeah, something and in then 96. And then, and then, yeah. yeah. So in 2016, the files of the case were finally released, but a lot was redacted. Mm-hmm. However, a reporter read through the ballistics report and found that the report concluded that the two guns were similar but could not conclude that the bullets were the same ones that killed ronnie they said it was different, yeah. that they were just similar. Uh-huh. They also never dusted for prints on the passenger side door of her car. Why? And they never released the overwhelming amount of security footage for that night. Mm-hmm. Because this is Beverly Hills. All of those shops have cameras. Yeah. All of those houses have cameras. Mm-hmm. People came forward later on and were like, yeah, I have a camera. Like, I gave it to the police. No one's ever seen that yeah. footage. Also, the lobby had three cameras in it. And you can see there's a picture of the security camera, you know, of the screen that has all the pieces on mm-hmm. it that yeah. night. And there's a picture of it because uh-huh. it's like part of the crime scene photos. Yeah. And you can see there's like three different lobby angles. Mm-hmm. None of that footage has ever been released. No one's ever seen it. Oh. Also, the gun that Harold Smith killed himself turned out to be a gun that belonged to a retired police officer that had supposedly been stolen three years earlier. Huh. Which doesn't really mean anything on its own. Yeah. You know, that gun really could have been stolen. Mm-hmm. But with everything else in this case, it's a little fishy. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, did they just kill him? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Also, Harold's MO was to steal things. And yes, sometimes mm-hmm. it escalates to like murder. Yeah. Like, I don't want anyone, you know, that girl, I broke her jaw and then she sent me to prison. Yeah. So I'm going to kill this girl. But her Prada bag was found open, like you could see her cell phone and Mm -hmm. everything in it, on her passenger side door. Yeah. And nothing was stolen. Her expensive shoes, her jewelry, nothing was stolen from her. Huh. In the My Favorite Murder episode, Mm -hmm. Georgia Hartstark makes a great point where it's like, it doesn't make sense to do that there because there's nowhere for a young black eye to hide you can't yeah. run into someone's backyard or into everyone a crowd will notice you everyone will notice you yeah. like he didn't and he wasn't a rich black guy we're like oh at least he's still wearing prada or something yeah. like and it's like we may know him yeah it's like okay he's this poor black kid like people are gonna realize if you're there and mm-hmm. they're gonna 75 people are gonna report you you know what yeah. i mean once a murder's happened they're gonna be like yeah well i saw this guy so it doesn't make sense to do it in that location no. the last thing i will say mm-hmm. is that not only could they not prove harold did the murder anyone who sent in a tip that led to an arrest stood to gain one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Uh-huh. seems like a motive to me yeah and sometimes you can find so like in wikipedia uh-huh. If you look on Wikipedia, it says that the police thought his motive for the murder, Harold, mm-hmm. was that he was given $10,000 to kill Ronnie. <gasps> by someone else. By, right. Yeah. But in the report, it says he did it by himself. Huh. 
but there's like there's like um well an interview. Yeah, he could have physically done it. By well, himself, no, but they said but... he perpetrated the crime alone. Alone. Mm-hmm. So the case is closed. So they're not looking for that person. Yeah. So, but in an interview, they said the motive was a higher crime. Yeah. But in the official case, it says it he says... did it alone. Mm-hmm. It's hmm. just so I think maybe maybe either he did do it and his her niece. Hired him. Hired him. Yeah. Or he didn't do it and he was just set up. Yeah. Maybe someone powerful did it or it was... Because a lot of people think it was a hit. Yeah. It seems very hit-like. Yeah. To walk up, you do four gunshots and then and you just walk it. away. Yeah. No, not really taking and anything. No and no one saw you. No one heard anything mm-hmm. else. Like, that seems to me very professional. Yes. Not like a guy who was arrested who was... for both of his crimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who was just... Who le- leaves his bike at the scene. Also... No one saw a bike. Yeah. Like, you'd think you'd be like, also, this is where she... Because it was clear where she got shot because yeah. there was, like, glass and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, this is where she got shot. There's a fucking bike. Yeah. Because if it takes an hour by car to get there, mm-hmm. the police were there within, like, five minutes. Yeah. And they roped off the whole scene. Mm-hmm. So how did he get his bike back if he left his bike there? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. All of it seems really right? weird. It's crazy. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to make... They were trying to make a documentary about it, mm-hmm. and I don't think they could, but it was really sad, and they're fr- it's called, like, 628, which mm-hmm. you can find. I don't know why it's called 628, yeah. but you can find, there's, like, an article about it, and there's, like, a clip mm-hmm. of, like, a promo for the documentary, but it's never come out. Yeah. And it's made by her friends, and her friends were basically just, like, if it was Ronnie, like, if I died and it was Ronnie, she would never have given up. So we're not going to so, give like, up on that. So, like, we can't. Aww. But she seems like a very tenacious, but a very kind. She was, woman. yeah. She yeah. was kind and caring, but she was also like, "But don't, I'm yeah. not gonna let you fuck with me. Like, I'm gonna get shit done." Mm-hmm. She was kind and loving, and yeah. everyone said, "You know, she was." Wow. Yeah, I had never heard of that That's case. It, yeah, and her house was like a mile. Ne- from... Yeah, from your cousin. Yeah. Wow. It definitely seems. Like there's like they just scratched the right? surface and of what not? was actually going and on. If there was this big issue of okay, everyone thinks the cops are in on it, you release that lobby footage and there you go. Now at least yeah. we know he killed himself and nobody killed him. Yeah. Cause Why like, not exonerate yourself right, from like, that? You know? Uh from that. Same suspicion. with the footage. Like if if there's footage of him running away from the crime scene, yeah, why wouldn't you release it. that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just put it to bed be like there you go like we here you know we can't release all the footage because of x you know there's a murder on it or whatever but here's the footage of him clearly running away you know Mm -hmm. yeah because it doesn't exist i bet yeah probably not that's such a weird case right but it has some parallels to mine which is weird what's yours okay so I'm going to tell you about Bonnie Lee Bakley. Oh, right, yes. right, right. Fucking Bonnie Lee Bonnie Bakley. Lee Bakley. I hate this case. Not what? I hate it. Not like, oh, I hate it that yeah. you're doing it. It's just like, it gets me mad yeah, because it of gets the you ending. Mad. It's like, ugh. Um, but at least it's some good old-fashioned white-on-white crime. Yeah. <laughs> we think. That's what we like. <laughs> we think. But again, like, not really case closed. No. And also... Dead in a car, gunshots, oh, all that. Case is closed. He just never got it. <laughs> yes. Um, so Bonnie Lee Bakley was born on June 7th, 1956 in Morristown, New Jersey. Same Yay. hospital as me. Same exact Same hospital. Date. 
a no. year. People no, don't know yes. that about Austin. I'm very old. <laughs> um, she just moisturizes. Yes. You it's need a lot that of lemon water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so her father was, I'm sorry, her father was an arborist. I almost said abortionist, <laughs> but he was an arborist. And her mother's name was Marjorie Lois Bakley. And uh, she ran an antique business in Wharton. New Jersey. So because her mom was so busy, Bakley was raised by her grandmother in Glen Garden. At age 16, she dropped out of high school to pursue a modeling and acting career in New York City. She attended the Barbizon School of Modeling, and while she was there, she met Evangelos Polakis. Polakis was a foreigner and asked Bakley to marry him so that he could stay in the country. Bakley agreed to marry Polakis for a price, but she backed out after the ceremony and he was deported in 1971. Cool. Good for her. In 1977, when Bakley was 21, she married her first cousin, Paul Garron. I mean, think of any of your first cousins. I know. And now think of gross. Yeah. Yeah. They had two children together. Glenn and Holly. While married to Garon, uh, Bakley began a mail order business. She would place ads in softcore pornography magazines and would begin corresponding with lonely men. Uh. She would then sell nude pictures of herself and yeah, other girl, women. <laughs> yeah. To these men. Uh, she also placed ads in Lonely Hearts sections of magazines, posing as a lonely young woman yeah, looking for a male companion. Yeah, didn't she have like four fiancés at one point? Oh, we're going to go yeah. through this. <laughs> um, listen, on one hand. Look, nobody's perfect. Yes. And Montana said it. <laughs> on one <sighs> hand, no slut shaming. Good for her going out and getting it. On the other hand, she is fucking over a lot of people. Yeah. The <laughs> Where it ends is like, okay, get your money for sending nude pictures. Great. Sure. Then yeah, you're that's just like, legit. You're just like, yeah, you're like a fun playboy. Yeah. But don't, don't fuck with people's personal lives. Right. Don't fuck with their emotions and yeah. be like, no, I love you. Now exactly. send me money. It's and like, like so keep it 100. I'll go into more. Be like, oh, yeah, I'll send you a picture of my tits. Give yeah. me 50 bucks. Like, that's Great. up front Perfect. and straight. Yeah. You know? He knows he's getting titties. You know, you know you're, you're getting, getting money. money. Perfect. Even exchange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she would tactfully correspond with these men, sometimes for years, and eventually roped several into sending her large amounts of money and writing her into their wills. Mm. Yeah. How do I get someone to write me? Right? That you have to go for I have the real family old ones members that will that not won't write, write you in. Yeah. Uh, she was doing some shit to get. Although into I a will, will say, I'm the only one in my mother's will. <laughs> Well, there's a reason. Or for I'm that. the trust of her. Will, yes, I think is you're probably in charge. The proper. She tricked multiple men into marrying her so she could wipe out their bank accounts before disappearing oh, completely. Man. It's like how many times? Just pick one rich guy and do it. Yeah, you don't need to do, do it to several to... guys. Okay, but here's the list of uh-huh. her marriages. Okay, okay, you ready? Ready. So her first cousin and her divorced in 1982. What? That wasn't a perfect marriage. <laughs> no, it wasn't lasting forever. And in 1984, she married Robert Moon. Then oh, that's she, a fun last name. Moon, right? Moon. She's Bonnie Lee Moon. Le Moon. Lemon. Um, lemon. But <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie Lemon, a beautiful lemon. <laughs> um, so then she married DeMart C. Besley in 1988. That's not as good. No. After she had divorced Moon. In 1992, she married Joseph Brookshire, and that marriage was annulled that same year. In 1993, she married William Weber, and then in 1994, she married... dictionary guy? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then she married uh, E. Robert 
Telefson, um, and that was just a year later. The next year, 1995, she married Glenn H. Wolf, a Baptist minister from California who once held the record for the largest number of monogamous marriages at 29 walks down the aisle. Oh, my God. She was like his 27th, I think. In 1996, she married John Ray, whom she divorced in 1998. Okay. So, so that was a long one So for. between <laughs> 1982, well, let's say 1980 and 1998, we have eight marriages. Man. Maybe she just was like sexually attracted to weddings. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I just gotta keep doing it. She had a cake addiction and it oh, just got out of control. Just a wedding cake. Yes. Though. It exactly. had to be hers. She can just go to that. <laughs> she loved the attention. So nobody told her she could just buy a wedding cake. Yeah. Like she thought she that's had like, to get you ever have that moment? Like I as a fat girl, I had this when I got older when I realized that I could literally just buy a cake. Right. <laughs> right. For no occasion. Because like as a kid growing up, you're like, you can't just buy a birthday no, cake. That's it has crazy. to be a birthday. Yeah. I had that same thing. Yeah. With ice cream because mm. growing up, ice cream was a very special thing. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I was literally like 19 years old driving. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I could just stop at Dairy Queen yeah. and get a huge fucking ice cream. Exactly. Right no and one's then telling I did you it not to. Every day, forever. <laughs> yeah. Till now. <laughs> That's what my dad had that same thing with soda. Yeah. Soda was a special right, occasion I had that thing. Too. Yeah. You know my addiction to diet yes. soda because up until high school, we did not have soda. Yeah. And then in high school, my mom was like, all she had this big diet soda kick. And, and all like, of a sudden, oh. I was like, I could buy diet soda. Yeah. I could go to the store right now and buy fucking diet soda. Yeah. And I'm gonna until I'm 23 and I have an addiction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, so that happened to her, only it was right after she decided she didn't have to fuck her cousin. Yeah. She could marry a bunch of people. Right. She amassed so much extra cash that she was able to purchase several houses in Memphis, Tennessee, and one outside of Los Angeles. Oh, Memphis, nobody wants to live there. She anyway. had multiple houses in, in Memphis. In the worst part of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> However, her dream of fame and stardom never came to fruition. Aww. During the late 1980s and 1990s, she ran into trouble with the law several times, and none of it was wedding related. In 1989, she was, <laughs> she was arrested for tackiness. Yep. <laughs> the fashion police. Yeah. Bad taffeta. <laughs> In 1989, she was arrested in Memphis for drug possession and was fined $300. What kind of drugs? I don't know. The fun kind? Probably or cocaine. the sad kind. Oh, the sad <laughs> the kind. The fun kind. <laughs> no. <laughs> in 1995, she was arrested yet again for check fraud after attempting to pass off two bad checks from the account but of a- But she's got so much money. These were big, and they were from the account of a Memphis record company. <gasps> I don't know how she got that, but... For this, she was fined $1,000 in order to work on a penal farm on the weekends. They farmed penises? Yes. Which is a perfect job for her, honestly. Yeah. She's um, great at tugging those penises up yeah. to that dirt. She she really knows how to get them. Yeah. <laughs> in 1998, she was arrested a third time in Little Rock, Arkansas, for possessing five driver's licenses and seven social security cards, all with different oh, wait, names. Wait, was this the case where she was like pulled over and she pulled out a license and it wasn't her? And no, then she was I like, don't think oh. so. Okay, there was, I think they were just like, why do you have all of this? There was one story where like I don't know, I thought it was her, but it could have been someone <laughs> it else. Could they be were her. like, I just didn't she come was, across it. She was pulled over and she pulled out her license, and they were like. 
this isn't you. And she was like, let me get another. <gasps> and she bought another license. Oh, and they were no. like, we need to see your wallet. And yeah, like, they like, found all the licenses. All yeah. Well, she had a bunch of different yeah. identities. <laughs> so she had used these IDs to open post office boxes in different cities oh, in she order. she just loves mail. Right. In order to run her mail order yeah. scam. While living in Memphis, Bakley grew her obsession with celebrity. It was an open. The game. Yes. <laughs> it was an open secret among her friends and family that she was determined to befriend and marry someone famous. She was especially... Oh, sorry, just her decisions in this story. Uh, she makes not great decisions, so... This is another bad decision. She was especially obsessed with singer Jerry Lee Lewis and began pursuing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is late 90s Jerry Lee Lewis. So, also, it is prime, listen, baby. Listen, they have common ground because they both married their first cousins yeah. <laughs> so She's like great we can yeah. bond over that she eventually met lewis and befriended his sister but a romantic relationship never formed bakley allegedly sent death threats to lewis's wife Oof. and essentially stalked the musician in 1993, Bakley gave birth to her daughter, Jerry with an I, Lee, and claimed that she was Jerry Lee Lewis's daughter. No. DNA tests were ordered and they disproved this claim. So now she has a child named Jerry Lee that isn't I Jerry didn't know Lee she had. I thought she just had the one she, kid. She ends up having four kids. I never knew that. I just yeah. thought she had, what's his face's baby? Oh, no, we're going to talk about all That's of it. Crazy. Yeah. Bakley then decided to relocate to California permanently and left Jerry with her ex-husband, Paul. She's like, here, raise this kid. Was she, the baby's Paul's, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she continued to send money to support Jerry while she was in California. That's nice. While splitting her time between Memphis and Los Angeles in the 1990s before she permanently relocated, Bakley pursued several celebrities, including Dean Martin, Frankie Valley, and Gary Busey. Some of those are cute. I, some. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what's really weird. This part fascinates me. In 1991, she began dating Christian yes. Brando. Yes. Yes. The grandson of Marlon Brando. Christian Brando was serving jail time in prison for the murder of his six yes. sister's ex-boyfriend. Brando had pled guilty to a charge of voluntary manslaughter and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Bakley began writing him and sending him photos, and in 1996, after Brando was released, they began a physical relationship. In 1999, Bakley met 66-year-old Hollywood alumni Robert Blake. Okay, sorry. You could have had Christian Brando. I know. Sure, he's a murderer, but come on. Sure, he's a murderer. I mean, at least he's, he's a kind of your age. A yeah. Bra- I mean, hello, his father. Yeah. And also, he was kind of cute. He had yeah. kind of frog eyes, but I mean, he was pretty cute. Maybe a little crazy. We don't know. He was cuter than fucking oh. Robert uh, fucking Beretta over right here. Right, 66 year old. <laughs> he wasn't Robert even that Blake. attractive when he was a kid. Beretta. No. Yeah. By well, the way, if you don't know what Beretta is, go watch it. Yeah. It's a 70s police yeah, procedure police show procedural. where his partner is, is a, a bird. Yes. <laughs> um, so Blake's acting career spanned six decades, and the two shared a common home state. He was from Nutley, New Jersey. The veteran actor is known. Aww. Sorry, what? go on. You're probably going to say it right now. Oh, say it. The veteran actor is known for his performances in the film In Cold Blood oh, as yeah. Perry Smith. Yep. And the TV what? show Beretta, in which his character's pet cockatoo's catchphrase was, 
Do you know what it is? No, I forget it. Wait. Don't do the crime if you, if can't, you can't do, do the, the time. time. Right, right, right. <laughs> and also that theme song is like very 70s and they're just like talking through what's happening. Yeah. They're like, do, 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 Beretta. <laughs> like it's like actually singing like yeah. an, what a song. It's just so dumb. <laughs> That's so funny. I had to show it to Jake one time because I was singing now there's an American car. That's yeah. Exact. And he's like, is, what is that from? So then I was on a kick of showing him yeah. old things. Weird but, theme songs. But also he was, what's his face? Wasn't he a child actor? Or yes, like, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was, uh, yeah, he was in some like little rascals he was, type yeah, thing. Yeah. That's why I said, mm-hmm. aw. Because at first he yeah. was a little rascal. And he, he was. was. He was apparently like one of the best actors. He was only supposed to be like a small part and then mm-hmm. they wrote him in because he was so good. Yeah, no, he's a good, he was a pretty good yeah, actor. Yeah, and everyone said that like on the show he was very astute for his age mm-hmm. and very like serious yeah, yeah he wanted to he was like four yeah he was like gotta yeah. get that scene mm-hmm. they all said like he was very professional his entire little rascals was such a good show yeah very racist so racist but, um, at least they let him hang out they let the black kid hang out with them <laughs> they were yes. like he's our friend but he's our black friend yes they, this is our token black yeah. friend yeah in 1993, Blake played real-life family annihilator John List mm-hmm. in the drama Judgment Day, the John List story. He looks like John List. Yeah. So we have him playing three major parts that have to do with murder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Bakley was 43 at the time and spotted Blake while attending a party at a jazz club. Bakley and Blake hit it off and began dating, though she was still involved with Christian Brando during this time. Yep. She also had attended that party with someone else and then went and home then went with, home him. with him. Yeah. yeah. Didn't they fuck in his van out inside? I think they fucked in, like, his hotel room or something. Yeah. I thought they fucked in a van. Could have been. been. In late 1990, Bakley discovered that she was pregnant for the fourth time. Uh-oh. She believed What the- happened to her other kids? <laughs> there- There's not enough information. <laughs> Two are in New Jersey. One is in Memphis. Okay. She believed the father to be Christian Brando and even went so far as to name her daughter Christian Shannon Brando. <laughs> the baby was born in June of 2000. And so recent. Compared yeah, to like, so recent. You think this would be like a murder from the 40s. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like, yeah. but it's really recent. And throughout the pregnancy, she had told Blake that he could possibly be the father. But she was really leaning into this Christian Brando thing. Clearly, After a paternity test, it was discovered that Robert Blake was the father, not Brando. Brando was like, okay, bye. Yeah, and Blake (laughs) was furious. Bakley had assured him that she was taking hormonal contraceptives when in reality... When in reality, she was taking fertility aids. Oh my god! (laughs) Girl! What a liar! Uh, We're doing the opposite. It's opposite day. I I didn't tell you. I am taking hormones. Technically. I promise there are hormones going into this body. Blobs. That deal with pregnancy. (laughs) Yes. In some manner. In some way. Mm -hmm. You don't need to know the details. No. (laughs) This is my body. Blake had urged Bakley to have an abortion when Uh he first found out about the pregnancy. He was in his late 60s and had adult children already and had no desire to become a new father at his age. Bakley had a habit of recording all of her phone conversations and held on to several tapes in which Blake screams at her and threatens her over the pregnancy. After the baby... What a dick. It's yeah. Like you're rich at 60. You can fucking... Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. After the baby was born and the paternity test confirmed that Blake was the father, however, 
Blake softened. They changed uh, the baby's name to Rose Lenore Sophia Blake, and Blake fell in love with his newborn daughter. Bakley pushed for Blake to marry her, and Blake agreed only under the condition that Bakley sign over temporary custody of Rosie to him. And didn't she, like, not even live in that house? No. she live in, like, the... Pool yeah. House? Yeah. What the fuck kind mm-hmm. of marriage is that? Bakley agreed to monitor visits and to get written permission before any of her friends or family visited Blake's home. Which you like what a dick. Yeah. But also like why do her visits have to be monitored? She's not gonna suffocate this baby. Yeah. Like, I don't, well, I think probably he was like, What if he she takes him? Yeah. True. Or takes her. But like she's so many on, other mean, kids she could take. Yeah. <laughs> so like not a very caring mother. No. In the prenup, the couple agreed that if either spouse ended the marriage, the other would retain custody of Rosie. What a dick move. (laughs) Bakley consulted with an attorney who urged her not to sign it. Yeah. But she ignored this advice and married Robert Blake in November of 2000. He was like, this is so one-sided. Do not sign this. Blake and Bakley never lived together despite being married. She moved into a small guest house on his property oh in God. Studio City to care for Rosie. So she was basically there to, like, breastfeed her. She was, like, the nurse, the wet yeah, nurse. pretty much. The marriage was never stable. Blake resented Bakley for tricking him into fatherhood, and he did not trust her. He hired... But he loved his baby. He, he did <laughs> love his baby, though. It's so weird. He hired a private investigator to find out more about his new wife... And eventually uncovered her mail order operation, but by then they were already married. (laughs) So, uh, late on that. On May 4th, 2001, Bakley and Blake were dining together at one of Blake's favorite restaurants, Vitello's, in Studio City. Wait, wait, wait. You're not going to mention the FBI thing? What FBI thing? Okay, so when she had the baby originally, Uh she... (laughs) <laughs> this fucking story is crazy. I think it's only mentioned. There's like a documentary. Yeah, about this. I never heard of. So when she moved to California, uh huh, she was on parole in, for the other charges. Yes. Yeah. So she technically couldn't. So she kept like a post office open in. Yeah. Well, and she had her other houses right. too. So, but she moves to California, and then mm-hmm. she has the baby, and then Robert Blake hired <laughs> actors to pretend to be FBI agents <laughs> and be like, "You're in violation of parole, so we're gonna arrest you, or you need to get on this plane." So then she gets on the plane, goes all the way back, and then realizes it's fake. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> such a dick. It was just... Oh, there was just... Yeah, I skipped over a lot of, like... Yeah. There are specific things he said on recordings yes, and stuff. There's so and much stuff. I just... That story is, like, her. fucking insane. It is funny. And then she just comes back, and they're like, fine, I guess we'll get married. Like, it yeah. didn't work, so he was it's like, so I guess weird. we'll get to the marriage yeah. thing. He, that he, They're just like, I guess we'll get married. Yeah. That'll probably right. make... You know what would make us happier? Marriage. marriage. Yep. I think that'll do it. It's fine. She's only done it a million times. Yeah. So Blake usually parked, valet parked his car. Mm -hmm. But on that night, he parked it a block down the street from the restaurant. That's not fishy. The two finished their meal and walked back to the car, only for Blake to remember that he had left his revolver at the restaurant. Oh, I uh, left my gun. Yeah. You know. You know. You know the how standard. You know, you forget your purse, you your gun. You take it out. Happens. You take the cell phone out, but then it's your gun, and you're like, ah, yeah. I did that again. I'll just so leave that funny. on the table, get my phone, and then it's like, oh, I forgot yeah. it. He left Bakley sitting in the passenger seat of the car and went back to retrieve it. When he returned, Bakley had been shot in the right cheek and in the shoulder and was bleeding out. Blake ran for help and knocked on the door of Sean Stanick, a filmmaker, and asked him to call 911. He then returned to the restaurant and asked if anyone could help. 
An off-duty nurse was there and agreed to go to the crime scene with Blake. When they arrived at Imagine the car... Imagine that interruption to your mail. My wife's been shot. Someone yeah, help. It's but like, also, apparently, when he went in, he didn't make, like, a huge deal of it. He was just like, hey, my wife is hurt. I need someone who can help. And so they right, so walked it's like, to oh, the crime yeah, scene. It's like, they oh, didn't she rush. fucking broke her ankle or yeah. something. Oh, she's been hurt. So, yeah. The nurse was like, I had no idea it was going to be anything that yeah. serious. So when they arrived back at the car, 44-year-old Bonnie Lee Bakley was dead. When investigators arrived at the scene, they found several aspects of the shooting suspicious. First, Blake had left Bakley at the car without the keys. The night was chilly, and she had no way to close the windows or turn on the heat. Yeah. No one at the restaurant remembered Blake coming back to retrieve a gun, but they did note that when he came in screaming for help, he paused to drink two glasses of water before returning to Bakley. He also claimed that he had the revolver with him in the first place because someone had been stalking her. So he was protecting his wife. Who you don't even like. Yeah. Also, maybe he's the one stalking her. He yeah. did send fake police. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Police recovered the gun used to kill Bakley in a dumpster right next to the car, which was parked under a dead street light in a strange spot. Yeah. On April 18th, 2002... Police arrested Robert Blake for the murder of his wife of four months, as well as for conspiracy to commit murder. Blake's murder charge was considered murder with special circumstances and carried the possibility of the death penalty, but the prosecution declined to pursue capital punishment. Police questioned Blake's bodyguard, Earl Caldwell, and also arrested him for conspiracy to commit Mm -hmm. murder. Prosecutor Shelley Samuels, who had won 48 out of 49 cases in her career, began putting together her case against Blake. His clothing from the night of the murder was examined and showed no traces of blood, but this was unsurprising because there was very little blood spatter from the murder and the killer was most likely too far away from Bakley but also, to have gotten it on that's them. suspicious in the first place because if you see your loved one, if you saw Mike shot, the first thing you do is go and go touch to him, him and no, like try to help touch her at all. He didn't have yeah. any blood on him. Nope. That's suspicious. Nothing. He should have blood mm-hmm. on him. Not like he was ladder blood, but like, yeah, Yeah. he should have blood. Several witnesses testified against Blake at his trial. A former stuntman of his, a minister, and a private investigator all told the court that Blake had approached them separately and offered large amounts of money to have his wife killed. A minister's not the guy. That's not who you bribe for murder. Come on, this is amateur stuff. (laughs) Maybe he thought he could pray. Could you pray for murder? It's like, I know this minister, he's a little shady though, so (laughs) we'll see. The defense argued that there was no physical evidence that Robert Blake had been the one who pulled the trigger and shot Bonnie Lee Bakley. And they were right. They also attacked the credibility of two witnesses who claimed Blake solicited them for murder. Both were drug users who had histories of substance-induced delusions and paranoia. The defense presented the theory that one of the many men that Bakley had scammed finally caught up to her and murdered her that night. On March 16, 2005, almost four years after the murder, Blake was acquitted of the murder charge. The jury... The jury was deadlocked as to Blake's guilt on the charge of conspiracy to commit murder, and the judge dismissed it. Caldwell was also acquitted. That night, friends of Blake celebrated at Vitello's, the scene of the crime. What a dick move. Right? How they had their, yay, we're not guilty party at the scene of the crime. She's still dead. She's dead, yes. Her daughter is growing up without a mother. Like, 
The fall- and she gets to read all about this if yeah. she need, if she wants. Yeah, she's old enough right now. Oh yeah, she is. The following year. Oh god, she's like eighteen. She is. She's out of high school. <laughs> but she was born in two thousand. I know. <laughs> the following year, the three oldest children of Bonnie Lee Bakley brought a civil suit against Robert Blake for the wrongful death of their mother. During this trial, Caldwell's girlfriend was called to the stand and was asked whether she believed that Blake and Caldwell were involved in the murder. She said yes. She was like, yeah, Hell I think they yeah. were. Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah. <laughs> Blake was not successful in defending himself in civil court and was ordered to pay $30 million Good. to Bakley's relatives, though the amount was later halved. He declared bankruptcy three months later. Blake then tried to appeal the verdict and presented the theory that Christian Brando had something to do with the murder, but the verdict was upheld. Blake is still alive and living in California. In 2017, he married longtime friend Pamela Hudak, but the two divorced in 2018. Rosie Blake was raised by Blake's adult daughter, Delina, and was reportedly kept away from her half-siblings. Holly Garon, Bakley's eldest daughter, claims that Blake had Bonnie Lee Bakley buried in California despite her family's wishes that she be buried in Memphis. Mm. Many people, including Blake's former private investigator, believe that even though Blake did not shoot Bakley himself, he arranged her murder. Yeah, I think he got the bodyguard For to sure. shoot him. Because it's so convenient that in that time he went back to the restaurant, someone yeah. murdered his And it's his like, wife. oh, I couldn't have done it. My gun is, yeah, in the is in the restaurant. And also, there's like a story about how he was acting so fake with his, like he was like over the top, like, my wife. Yeah. And that when he went into that guy's house, that guy later on called the police to be like, can you search my house? I think he put something <gasps> in my home. Oh, like he thought yeah. that they never found anything, but mm-hmm. he was like, I think he, yeah, he was like he touching stashed stuff something. And stuff. Yeah, he's like, I think he stashed something. Yeah, because he was like, call the police, and then he went into the restaurant. And was yeah. like, my wife's hurt. Also, I need water. Yeah. So. And, and there was another thing where, like, one of her friends was, like, she always had a cell phone on her. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he just reach in and use her cell phone yeah. to call the police it's, right he, away? He, like, just didn't touch her. He didn't, didn't try even to touch her. He just, her. like, looked at her. Yeah. And I think she was still alive yeah. the first time he came back to the car. So. You think you'd just, like, cry for help really loudly. Yeah. And then if no one was coming, go find it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she had a cell phone on yeah. her. Yeah. And so even though he's old as fuck now, her kids are still afraid of him. Yeah. Like, like, Holly Garon was saying that she almost never goes to her mother's grave because she's afraid she'll run into him. Yeah, I'd be fucking um, terrified, too. And they were like, and we never got to have a relationship with our younger sister. Right. And all that this stuff. That poor young girl who, okay, you kill the mother and then you don't even raise your child. Yeah. Well, and he was like, oh, and my daughter always wanted kids but struggled with fertility. So here's my kid. Bye. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like, great. Thanks. But. I will say her daughters look so much like her. She's pretty too. She, she's, she was very she's pretty. A very pretty lady. Yeah. Even, you know, she was in her mid 40s and mm-hmm. stuff and she y- looked young yeah. as fuck. And like it's crazy to think one of her exes, all the guys she scammed mm-hmm. weren't they weren't like movie stars and like they were no. just like regular I'm sure they just got over it. Like they probably were pissed about it, but yeah. I can't imagine them going all the way to California finding tracking her down, finding her and killing her. And then waiting until she's later, alone and yeah. coincidentally she's alone for like, a she second. She lives alone. So yeah. why wouldn't you just go get why her when she's break there? Yeah. Well, he might have like security or something cuz he's a movie star and yeah. he has his own estate. But on his his wife that he doesn't care about? Yeah, well, 
he would probably let him in. Yeah. You know, he'd probably like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but she also had to provide, you know, written confirmation of any, anyone that was visiting or right. anything. So I think he was a little bit like, no yeah. one on my property. Maybe. So. That's true. Also, she wants to marry a celebrity so badly. And it's like, you pick this guy. Dude. Pick Brando. Yeah. Brando is. Listen. He murdered a man in cold blood, but he's so much better he's than much, Robert Blake. He'd still be alive, probably. Yeah. Sure. I, he seemed to like her. Yeah. You know? Pick anyone else. Yeah. Pick if all... any of the other three guys you were seeing. Yeah. I mean, if that baby had been Brando's, she would. She would have. She might still be alive today. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that living with a murderer is the best thing, but it seems like. In this situation. Yeah, it might have been the best it thing. It might have been. You know? You have to choose the lesser of two evils. And also, I'm not very familiar with his case, so I don't know if there was a reason for his murdering. I think I it was... Was he, Did if he just I go remember crazy, or was it like a self-defense thing, or was it like in defense of his... No, I think it was... I think it was like, this dude is bad for my sister. Maybe gotcha, he gotcha. beat her, and then he was like, he okay. He just like killed her. Yeah, killed him. Killed him. Or he had someone kill, yeah. kill him. I don't know. Because it was, the charges were diminished mm-hmm. before he went to prison. So, but he admitted to it. He was like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did That's that. What, that <laughs> seems familiar to me, that his sister was like in trouble in his yeah. mind. So he was like, I've got to kill this guy. It's the only way. Yeah, I've never Earl's gotta actually die. seen. You've never seen him? No. He's he's, he's okay. He's cute when he's younger. He's kind of got frog eyes. Yeah. He's gotten worse with age, but yeah. But I mean, he's but a good looking. Blake was Robert not like Blake a gorgeous is, guy. No. Like he was nothing. Ugh. Yeah, he's not a, an attractive yeah. man. I would not say so. Yeah, he's got kind of sunken eyes. Yeah. But that's fine. You know. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Would have been better, I think. Yeah. And he's more he's closer to her age. Yeah. It wouldn't have been such a huge yeah. age gap. Oh, gross, saggy old man balls. Ew. <laughs> also well, the death thing. Yeah, the I mean that thing too. too. <laughs> Let's see. A lifetime of saggy old man balls being shot in a car. <laughs> Don't know which one I'd choose. You have to hang in the balls you pick, you pick them when they're young. Mm-hmm. Not too young, but young. And then you grow with them. Yeah. So you that can't just dive into so all of your sagginess matches you match. all of their That's sagginess. That's the key to a relationship. Your saggies need to match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Equal sagginess. Mm-hmm. Well, so those are our Hollywood those murders. We're thinking of doing like celebrity relative murders mm-hmm. or something like that at some point. You mentioned Mark Ruffalo's mm-hmm. brother. I don't um, know if there's enough for. I mean, his yeah. case is crazy. Though. Yeah. And, I mean, I do at some point want to talk about the trial that Ashton Kutcher is involved with, uh-huh. with the murder of his old girlfriend. But we'll see. We can always do a mini. Yeah, we could do a mini about it. So that's it for today. That's it. By the time this comes out, we will be just days away from Podex. <gasps> so come yes. to We have us. buttons. I'll post we a picture on our Instagram that say, ask me about Helen High Horror. Yes. And we're the only ones who have those. Exactly. So if you see them, it's on us. us. It's us. Yes. And also, come to... Or we were robbed. Come to... These are our stories. It's at like 11 that oh, morning. Because yeah. I'll be on that. Yeah. Like, Reppy's going to be doing that. Um, It is a Law and Order. Yes. Yes. Law and Order <laughs> podcast. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. And then we're going to be doing our live show and our yep. presentation. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yay. Uh, I hope people come or I'll cry. Yeah. We'll see. You know? <laughs> it's like three at least. We'll take pictures and stuff yeah. and all that. And hopefully we're going to work out getting a recording of the live show and we'll put it yeah, out yeah, at yeah. some point. 
So that'll be fun. We are Hell and High Horror and Hell High Horror on Twitter. I'm Austin Costelli on everything. I'm Reparata Ann on everything. You can still uh, send your personal spooky stories to hellandhighhorror mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Our Patreon is up and running. We're doing stuff on there. Check it out. There are different levels and all kinds of goodies you get. For the month of June, we're going to be sending out stickers to our $10 Ooh. and up patrons. And I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Happy hauntings, everyone. Bye.